Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped. you bright and brilliant story shape listeners today we are delighted to welcome yet another fantastic guest to the podcast the wonderful Nicola Colton. Nicola is an Irish author and illustrator living and working in the UK um, where she lives with her husband and their fabulously named cat Odysseus. Nicola is the author and illustrator of the joyful Jasper and Scruff series with Little Tiger all about the dapper cat Jasper and his best friend Scruff the dog who is a bit of an agent of chaos in his otherwise ordered life and we love those books here they're such such fun. Um, she's also the author and illustrator of the beautiful picture books, A Dublin Christmas and A Dublin Fairy Tale. As well as that, she has illustrated the Fizzy series, which were written by the former Laureate Nogue, um, or Irish children's laureate Sarah Crossan, and the poetry collection Zim Zam Zoom, written by James Carter. She is a fantastically talented creator whose art is instantly recognisable, and we're thrilled to be speaking with her today. Welcome, Nicola, and thank you so much for being here with us on Story Shaped. And hi, Susan. Hi, and you listeners can't see this, but Nicola is sitting against the most perfect Halloween display. There are plants, there's a mask and there's a broomstick and it's it's joyful to look at, I have to say. We're recording just before Halloween, so it's very seasonal. <laughs> so hi, Nicola. Hi, I can't take credit for the lovely background because I'm actually in my friend Freya Harts's kitchen. Um, so she's gone all out for Halloween because my uh, internet's been a bit wonky lately, so safer to record in here <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you Freya thank you Freya <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I'm good thank you for that lovely introduction um I'd love to hire you for parties so you can precede me and <laughs> like you're like you're <laughs> introduce me yeah. I'll, blow, I'll blow your trumpet for you make, make, make me sound good <laughs> well whatever any other income streams are good for me you know I'm, happy, yeah. I'm available <laughs> talk to my agent as they say <laughs> but uh but it's great to have you on um yeah we're thrilled to talk to you today because um I, I was saying that we love your Jasper and Scruff stories and I really do myself and my my little reader we adore Jasper and Scruff we really love reading them they're really funny and we love looking through your illustrations for you know little clues and little little details um and I love doing that with, with all you know illustrated books but yours your style of, of work is particularly lovely um and we gen- we regularly read um your your uh, your picture books for kind of nighttime stories and you know, the the Dublin fairy tale in particular really love it's so clever um and Dublin Christmas is a beautiful story um which can be read all year round we, we read it all through the summer as well it's not it doesn't have to be read only at Christmas time it's a lovely message um about families and togetherness and what's what's important at the at the at that time of year um beautiful books um but it's great I love um talking to people on the podcast whose work I genuinely really do love so it's wonderful to see you today it's great talking to um, people who are illustrators um, as well as writers. Like that's a skill I would love to have. Like in another life, maybe in a few years' time, I would love to do a course in illustration. I'm really in awe it's of illustrators. Inspired by. Inspired by. Inspired by um, yes. illustrators. And I love, I love, love, love your Jasper and Scruff series, um, especially Scruff. And Scruff, I think he's <laughs> like, for me, he's a really good reminder to just in enjoy the play and the mess and um he's he's an excellent embrace, character embrace the chaos it's all good where did you where did you do your did you study illustration Nicola somewhere or? uh I actually studied graphic design graphic and design. then worked as a graphic designer for a couple of years but I when I left college it was like just as the recession hit so oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I remember those days yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah it was like 2000 2007 so yeah I went to Canada for a year and kind of faffed about and then I came back in 2007 when things had really hit the fan <laughs> I was looking for a, yeah I was looking for a graphic design job and yeah to be honest I didn't really enjoy it I think it was to do with the jobs that I found there wasn't that many and I ended up you know doing van logos for people and menus and business cards and things and I think one thing that I didn't like about graphic design was 
uh, you had to always do what the, well, because I was working on lore and stuff, it was you always had to do what the client wanted to do. Whereas I, what I really like about illustration is that you, you know, people come to you because they like your style and and your voice, and you get to put your own stamp on it. I maybe I'm a bit of a control freak. I don't know, but I just, yeah, I just love having uh, being able to express express myself. So when you're working with an author, um, do you expect or do they give you um much? I won't say guidance, but like, would would an author give you ideas, or do you, or do you just have free reign to work completely as your own imagination dictates, or does it differ from project project yeah generally they keep the author and the illustrator separate um and then you just the art director is the mediator um right so with sarah she kind of had a couple of things that she wanted but yeah it was it was pretty much free um to create fizzy as i wanted she just wanted her to have like wild hair and kind of a free spirit that loves sweets and had a big messy room which is very easy for me to convey because i'm a very naturally messy person i mean the last few years because my husband is tidy that I've kind of been trained up and I'm not so much as a, a feral cat anymore but things, <laughs> things away things have places now and actually it's quite nice being tidy but I, I very much remember the chaos of my bedroom as a kid and I love sleep as well so drawing on that for fizzy yeah I feel like fun. lots of creative people are messy people so. we're all all chaos agents i think the surface yeah for sure yeah i'm I'm totally like that i'm a total mess um and i and i live with a man who likes things neat as well so my husband husband comes from a very well-regulated house Uh, he was raised by uh by uh, the premier housewife in the country so i'm sometimes i wonder why i he married me but anyway (laughs) well lots of pressure when uh, the in-laws come around so (laughs) telling me I guess we should start with our first question, which is Nicola Colton, are you story shaped? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, next question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a few in my arm here, Anna. Um, yeah, so I made a kind of story shaped mind map to try and navigate what I was going to say and what I was going to talk about. Um, and as well as books, obviously, <laughs> put some books in there. Um, yeah, I couldn't help but separate uh, all the stories and things that were going on around me as a child. So um, kind of simmering in this story soup of stories from relatives, stories from my dad, anecdotes from my shop, from the shop. You know, if someone's gone grocery shopping, there's always a big story, like in our house, everything was just a story. Um, and conversations like I only appreciate now living in the UK but conversations between Irish people are very different to hear like it's always a story it's always an anecdote it's always like oh geez did you see the get up beer man <laughs> the shop there whatever um yeah so it's I think maybe that's why storytelling comes more naturally to Irish people because it's just such a part of our culture and, and I, I can't really divorce that from the books that I read growing up and um my dad is a very natural uh, oral storyteller. He's just always got a story and he'll tell the same stories over and over again, but they'll get added added to and grow and there'll be new voices and new um, angles to it. And he's the kind of person that everyone in the pub like gravitates to and he's like this kind of jovial um, character. Um, I, don't have, <laughs> I don't have that gift of storytelling. I can write it, but yeah, I can't, can't tell stories the way he does. So he had this little tradition um, when myself and my brother were younger, um, were only a year and a half apart. Um, so it must have been about five, six, seven. Um, so we had this tradition of the sweet tree. So on Fridays, my dad would take us to the sweet tree and it was located in a field next door to us. And sometimes the location of the tree would change. So he'd take us on this journey and we'd be walking for what felt like ages to our little legs. It's probably like five minutes or something. Um, and we'd be like, are we at the sweet tree now? No, just a little bit more. We walk and walk and walk and, and then suddenly we would stop at a tree. We point up at the branches and there'd be these glistening wrappers of paper, different sweets, just like penny sweets and stuff that you get from the shop. How um, lovely you were to have a sweet <laughs> tree near you. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, somebody yeah, must have was... planted some sweets. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and I always just explained to myself, well, obviously, like I think I kind of knew that 
yeah, there were sweets in the shop, but then obviously this tree knew how to grow the wrappers and different varieties and stuff. Well, where did sweets <laughs> in the shop come from? But yeah. sweet tree come from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, he, he would grab a handful down and then walk us back. And it was like this lovely experience. And it, it taught me that a story could be an experience, could be something that you're part of. And I've always carried that with me. Um, but because it's my dad and he's a joker and he's like, can be quite dark as well um he told us that we can't go to the sweet tree on our own uh, because we, it's protected by badgers so we get attacked, attacked by badgers if we went on our own so it led to me planting uh sweets in the hope of growing a sweet tree but also being deathly afraid of badgers so <laughs> badgers are pretty scary to be fair so yeah, probably... yeah. <laughs> that, that is that is amazing what a beautiful experience to have with your with your dad it's gorgeous oh, I love that I mean we tried planting sweets in Wexford as well but clearly the soil wherever you were uh, much, much richer there because it's, we didn't grow anything in, in Wexford um, uh, but gosh that's that's beautiful uh, I love that I love I love the feeling of that walking through a story that makes me feel like you're you're you're, you're being raised in in magic how, yeah. how wonderful that is <laughs> it's like a living story in the landscape outside your door like you walk out your yeah. door and there's magic and story yeah and it, it very much felt like that because I grew up in uh, pretty much Bang Centre in the middle of Ireland in Offaly and um, just outside a little village. And I very much felt like there were stories around the corner because there was like so many superstitions and stories floating around the school and stories from relatives and like things if you happened upon, you know, a circle of mushrooms or a circle of stones or, you know, you knew to leave that alone because that was for the fairies. You didn't want to incur the wrath of fairies. And um, yeah, the thing that scared me the most was I remember uh, finding a comb on the ground on the way back from the bus stop walking home. And I picked it up without thinking. And then as I picked it up, I was like, oh no, I remember the superstition about the banshee. Because if you find a comb, it probably belongs to the banshee. So I put it back down really quickly and hoped that the banshee hadn't followed me home. No, she didn't. Banshees, I have to say, banshees are <laughs> my biggest fear are banshees, which for yeah. listeners who don't know, the banshees is like a woman of the fairies. And if there's going to be a death in the household, you'll hear the, the banshee wail outside. And to me as a child, that was the most frightening thing because you can't not hear something. So I'd, I would lie in bed at night, terrified that I'd hear a banshee's wail. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't know the superstition about the comb, but I'm quite I glad didn't know I about didn't. the comb either, actually. Yeah. But- I remember being careful out there. Yeah, don't pick up any combs, people. But I remember being in college, like I, I don't know how old I was obviously in my twenties, and I woke up one night in the terrors because I could hear this shrieking outside the window. <gasps> and my first thought was, Oh my god, the banshee. And then I realized, no, actually, it's foxes. But I mean, it just <laughs> it did do. take a minute for foxes do sound like banshees. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. do. They're terrifying. They're the life out of me. And I but my yeah. first, like it's so funny how I guess how steeped we are in in uh in folklore and story in this country or maybe even you know just because we're all that kind of person you know um but my first instinct was to think of the banshee at the window shrieking yeah. and oh god it really it's not to i didn't sleep the rest of the night <laughs> so lucky. i'm glad you put that comb back nicola i know yes, me too <laughs> I'm, sa- I'm safe for now <laughs> last for now yeah <laughs> see, see what happens um yeah my my auntie mag she she was like the cool auntie that I used to go visit and she would have like crystals and tarot cards and her house always smelled of like some kind of resin or essential oil or something and um, she was that's into, the kind of auntie I'm trying to yeah, be be the cool auntie um, and <laughs> looking at her house and yeah she used to always tell me stories about banshees and she claimed that we had a family banshee that appeared when her dad died and he used to yeah they do say isn't it something about the old families of Ireland all have their own personal banshee don't really that, that is that yeah. is true yeah like the, the the old Gaelic clans are mm. they all have their own individual banshee on speed dial, you know, for when the <laughs> when the uh, when yeah. the elders start to pop off this mortal coil. I believe that is true. So perhaps yeah. you guys are are you an important family in the Midlands? Uh, well, Barry's on my Barry's on my mum's side, so yeah, right. old very good family. But you're all mixed now, so I don't know. That's how. true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a total mongrel, so I'll just take whatever banshee <laughs> is free, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Dial a fairy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be making fun, actually. No, no be careful. Be. Don't be making fun <laughs> of the fairy No, don't be making fun of them. <laughs> Do you remember any other superstitions or any other stories from 
that part of your childhood? Yeah, well, there was a haunted castle in the, in the town um, called Charleville Castle, and um, it's all restored now, and they have, they've got festivals and things going on at it. Um, but I do remember a story from my auntie Moll, my sister. Um, she stole into the castle when she was eight, so it was sort of in, in the 1950s, and she broke into the library. It was, it was while it was still ruined and took some books. <laughs> Um, I guess books would have been scarce when she was growing up and I just think she's just so brave to do that like she went on her own as an eight-year-old into like a creaky castle and there's like a really long driveway to get there um, with all these trees and things towering over you it's like a really old um, king oak tree with these like lumbering limbs like an octopus I just think she walked all the way through there (laughs) into the castle window and into the creaky creaky library (laughs) Yeah, That's so amazing. she took the she took the books home, but of course they were immediately discovered because yeah, growing up they didn't have very much. Um, um my granddad was apparently livid because he was worried she was gonna she'd taken some ghosts home with her, so <laughs> she was marched back <laughs> to bring those books back. Do you know what the books were? Um, I don't actually. I should have asked her. Yeah, that's something to find out. Um, but I just love that story because she's very much a butter wouldn't melt in her mouth, prim and proper type lady now. So I just love that. I keep hearing stories about her. I think she was a bit of a wild child. I think there's more, more to <laughs> it never goes than, away. Than, she, than she lets on. I'd say she's probably still a, bit, still a bit yeah. chaotic underneath the prim and proper, I'd say. Just let it yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, I just love love stories like that. And um, yeah, I can remember the time... Um, so we, very rarely had school visits when I was a kid. Um, actually, I can only remember one. This one I'm going to talk about. Um, there was no World Book Day or anything like that. Um, or maybe there was, and it didn't make it to our little village. Um, but I can remember a day that a wizard and a bird visited our school. And I was about, I think it was about six or seven. And this wizard came, and he had like big long beard and a velvety hat with stars and moons on it, all shiny. He looked amazing. Um, and he had this strange bird man with him. I guess is familiar. <laughs> I don't know. He was in a black leotard and he just had all these like colourful feathers stuck all over him. I don't remember what he did. He was just kind of there. Um, but we, we all, it was a really exciting day and we were brought into the gym and we gathered around in a circle and the wizard started telling the story and he had, um, oh, I think it was just a cup of water, um, but he started uh, telling a story about a storm in a teacup. And I can vividly remember um, seeing a storm in the teacup rising up and like a ship in it and stuff. But And to me, that memory is real, but it, it obviously can't be because how would you have done that? But it's just the power of imagination. He just sparked something off. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one to have seen something that day. And that that's like really stayed with me, that the power of story and the power of imagination and how those worlds can merge and yeah become real. And... I remember afterwards, um, the bird man was hanging around, the boy, and he, he dropped a feather and I picked it up and followed him because I was like, this is really important. He can't be losing his feathers. He's a bird. Um, but it took a lot of courage to go up to him because I was a very, very shy child. Um, so it took a lot of courage to follow him and, and say, excuse me, you forgot your feather. Um, and he kind of looked at me and was like, oh, no, you can keep that. And I just thought, wow, I've got this like little piece of magic in my hand. Uh, from today and I couldn't believe that he was letting me keep this precious feather whereas to him he was probably like it's just <laughs> it's just a feather but yeah it was a really magical thing to to take home to take home part of the story part of the day you just yeah. live you've just you've just lived in magic you've just lived in story oh, I think I think you can choose to <laughs> choose to go there <laughs> I think it's a choice <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I think yeah I think your it sounds like your whole early childhood was just geared towards creating a very porous boundary for you between magic and the real world. They don't seem to be too separate for you or for yeah. in, in your childhood anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, it did leave me for a while as an adult, but you know, we've all had dark times and our own battles face, but it's definitely come back. And yeah, it's definitely something that I don't want to lose. It's, you know special place to hold on to it's like a sanctuary place the place where I create from space yeah it's a place that I go into um to imagine to dream to conjure up 
new worlds. And it's a place that for me, um, even with all the chaos and different things that have happened in my life, it's it's never truly left me. And it's a place that's like untouched by all things that happen. So yeah, it's a, it's something that I hold on to. And I think I think everyone has that. You just just need to sometimes dig a little deeper to to find it. Mm. But some people probably aren't probably aren't just as in touch with it as others are. So I think we're, you know, certainly listening to you talking, I am I'm really really delighted to hear you say how how accessible your um your core of story and your 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 core of imagination is. Um I don't yeah. think everybody has has that freedom uh you know or that um that ability to do that. So great. I'm delighted for you. Um you know and I'd like to be I'd like to aim for that in my own life as well. You know to me stories are so vital as well. Um and I just I love listening. I'm just so enjoying listening to you talking about how I think we had somebody on the podcast. Was it Sam Thompson a few weeks ago talking about ambient stories? I think mm. you're, you, that sounds a lot like what he was talking about. The stories that are kind of all around you, um, you know, and, and the stories that are that sort of shape the you know the oral stories or the the lived stories that that shape a person's life and, and you know where they're from and and the family history and and all that. But uh, isn't it incredible how much of an of an impact just having having a parent who's open to the magic of imagination mm. uh, can can really make such a difference in a child's life. So. And go on, Daddy Colton. That was great. <laughs> yeah. a wonderful thing to do for you and, yeah, and, definitely. Your, and your brother. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, and what books do you remember from that part of your childhood? Um, so pretty much a lot of the same stuff that everyone's talked about, I think. Um, a lot of Roald Dahl, Ina Blyton. Um, I can remember the first time I went to the library um, quite vividly. I was about six, I think. And yeah, I went with my mom and actually, yeah, we'll get to that later, but the library is on the square, which I'll mention later where my, where my mom grew up in, in Tullamore. Um, I'll talk more about that later, but um, yeah, I can remember getting the card and I remember her bringing me over to the section and I couldn't believe that I could like take a book home or take like several home. Like, it's, and I still feel that feeling when I go to a library, like I get, I go a bit crazy and sometimes I take five or six books out and I know that I'm not going to read them all but there's just like the sense of value and excitement like it's one of the few places where you can go and just be a human and like take magical things such as books at home <laughs> I love libraries um so yeah I was really excited to pick a book and the first book that I picked out was Revolting Rhymes which is a pretty good place to start like, yeah I loved how dark it went and yeah I remember reading it cover to cover then asked my mum to bring me back the next day and get another book then, yeah um reading was always very big in our house uh both my mum and dad are very avid readers we always went to the library um even when we went on we used to go visit my aunt and uncle in London and stay with them for summers um when I was a teenager and like traveling across to Charing Cross to the big foils was like a big part big part of our holiday and we just stay there for hours and hours and hours just looking at books and my dad like loves like engineering and how things work and those kind of books so there's like a big section upstairs that he'd just be up there for ages and ages and that was like yeah I just loved it and it's funny now like my husband doesn't get the whole concept of going into a book into a bookshop and just like hanging about there and like finding a book um he always like last time we went to foils he like had pre-picked a book and went in and then was like I'm done and I was like I haven't even started yet that's not how you do it yeah that's like me in a clothes shop I go in when I want I want a pair of socks I go in get them go (laughs) when I'm in a bookshop it's like oh my god whoa I'm in heaven I could spend all day here you know and yeah I don't get browsing when it comes to ordinary shops but certainly bookshops are a different different yeah it's like a whole it's a whole the whole thing you just you just hang out there and see what books find you (laughs) yeah I love that idea of what books find you because they do books do come and search you out and somehow get themselves into your hand you're like how, how do I have this book and you read and you're like that was exactly the perfect book I needed to read at that time <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but yeah that uh, so the grand aunt and uncle that I used to stay with they would come stay with us during the summer as well and they stayed for like three weeks which was like a really long time when you were a kid I don't know how my mom did it and my grand aunt's sister would come as well um and they kind of looked like Patty and Selma they had like really big like Margaret Thatcher hair <laughs> and they had that kind of 80s 
80s older women like smell of like really pungent strong like make your eyes water perfume <laughs> lipstick I remember like lipstick had like a really strong kind of waxy smell back then mm, yeah. I don't think it smells like these days and they smelled of cigarettes as well because they were just like constantly smoking and they're real characters and I just it was such a big part of my childhood that just listening I would just listen to the two of them would sit on the perch on the end of the bed and they'd be smoking in the house because the 80s and I would just be sitting in there listening to them gossiping and talking about stuff. And they would talk freely in front of me, just about my parents and everyone, because they just thought, Asher, kids don't really listen. But I was absorbing everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, my grandma's sister had a really interesting voice. They, they'd lived in London for 30 years, but they're originally from the west of Ireland, grew up in Spiddle, um, fluent Irish speakers. And she had this weird voice, like almost, she almost sounded kind of German, I don't know, but she you'd give her a cup of tea and she'd say thanks a thousand darling <laughs> and like for ages after they left we would just be doing that voice like over and over <laughs> hilarious. um so it's just like yeah these are all these like characters that I kind of stored up um yeah maybe I'll get to use darling sometime <laughs> I, I think know. you should <laughs> for sure yeah. I mean, if anybody was destined to be a creator then I think it was you my goodness to grow up in such a <laughs> such an environment you couldn't yeah. help but have an imagination as big as the ocean I mean gosh those women sound brilliant yeah yeah and that was like yeah I, I loved watching the Simpsons because it felt very real to me because obviously I've met Patty and Selma <laughs> and um yeah they went to mass and like Homer hate going to mass I, I don't know I felt like as an, an Irish kid you could really appreciate some of the aspects of it um and I love that series because it's still going now like I, I remember watching it when I was eight and I'm like 38 almost 39 now and it's, it's still going and that brings me such comfort because it was like such a big part of my childhood just it on at like six o'clock in the evening when I eat my dinner <laughs> God, I haven't watched it for years, but I did watch it when I was younger. Yeah, it was it was yeah. a very formative thing for me too. <laughs> learned lots of interesting words as well. I first heard the word genitalia on Simpson. <laughs> very important word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I just love Lisa. <clears throat> she's still my my. Oh, she's an icon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have any particular stories or or books that you could point to that might have influenced? Um, your life like your, your career choices or your dreams or your hobbies as opposed to your creative work so maybe the choices that you've made or the places that you've ended up in do you have any um comics were huge in our house like uh, Garfield and Odie like especially Garfield I was obsessed with Garfield I used to draw draw him over and over and over again um I just loved that he was just perfectly himself and just didn't care and was just always outsmarting and making fun of John and just doing his own thing <laughs> especially as like quite a shy kid like I, I just yeah I think I really liked the power that he had and um I think that definitely influenced Jasper and Scruff later on that kind of odd couple dynamic between Gar Garfield and, and Odie I, I like working with odd couples I've always loved films with odd couples as well because it kind of naturally creates this kind of source of tension and something to bounce off and um, kind of naturally create humor as well and you can imagine how they would interact in, in different scenarios and things. I've always loved films like um, Trains, Planes and Automobiles with Steve Martin and John Candy where they just like John Candy is just so blissfully unaware of how annoying <laughs> and Steve Martin is so grumpy and it's like yeah definitely drew on characters like that for like Scruff who's just like this bouncy happy funny just living his life chaotic life having fun kind of character and Jasper who's like so controlled and tight and he's like things must be this way and yeah it's just really interesting to see how those characters bounce off each other and then I think dialogue kind of naturally happens then because yeah if you have like clearly defined characters you just know what they're going to say and know where it's where it's going to go. I guess you also you, you grew up surrounded by by dialogue amazing dialogue and you were very attuned to the dialogue that you heard so does dialogue come easy to you I think if I have the characters well mapped out it does um if I don't if they're a bit wishy-washy yeah I, I, I struggle um but yeah when I get it right I love that feeling of just like hanging out with characters and seeing what they're going to say next um I think that's it's taken me a while to get used to writing like picture books are really hard like I really admire people that have really like cracked picture books 
um, because there isn't as much dialogue. It's like much more pared back and you really have to get to the core of the message. Um, I think I've only kind of, hopefully, maybe figured out the formula this year. Um, I have a, a story out in submission at the moment, so let's see what happens. But um, yeah, I did a lovely course in rhyming picture books. Um, discovered that I can't write rhyme at all, like, <laughs> but I did learn a lot about what makes a picture book work. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. I hated writing rhyme. I just I think it's just a different, it's a different way of thinking. It's more problem solving. Um, whereas I just like to get into a flow and let the story take me where it's gonna go. It's like more of an intuitive thing. So I really admire people that can write rhyme. It's a very different headspace to get into. Not I really I admire Amy Sparks, um, who does amazing picture books, but her their, her rhyming picture books are so good and the way they just work and fit together and the, the way the, the lines are all such perfectly what's it called scansion is it or when you know when they when the rhythm is all perfect it's just I really because yeah. I, I know I can't I can't do that either I, I've often I've often tried to write picture books I think I've written about 10 um some of them rhyming some of them not rhyming and uh, none of them have quite have quite held together so I get what you're saying it's it's completely I don't know it's it's such a it's such a skill and such a you know it really is a, a totally different skill set to writing anything else really but I love your picture books that you've done so far the especially the Dublin fairy tale is so good it's such a such a fun book um, so I think you definitely have you have cracked it or at least you're well on, you're well on the way you're closer than I am <laughs> to cracking it so so good for you and I, um, I hope your new project uh, gets picked up soon I really hope it goes well oh thank you um sure if it doesn't it will lead to the next thing that's how it works isn't it that's it exactly um, and I'm very much happy to just be a work in progress and if things come out and they're not perfect I'm sure maybe I'll get it right the next time but um main thing is just to keep writing and keep creating and flying by the seat of my trousers <laughs> <laughs> that is a good philosophy that's a good philosophy what it feels like most of the time I love that and I suppose I I wonder if um growing up in a family or growing up in a in a in a, in a sort of a situation where maybe even inadvertently you know you were you were given this message that creativity is important and imagination is important and it's you know stories are important like is that do you think that's something that keeps you going, you know, when when times might get tough or when, you know, you meet challenges in your creative life? Do you think you, because you have this, maybe do you have this um, this unshakable sort of faith that stories are important and what I'm doing is important? Does that, do you think that's a, a thing? Uh, yeah, I, th I think stories are really important. And yeah, I really struggled in my 20s. I mean, everyone has their own battles, but mine were with kind of with anxiety and self-esteem and, um, it took me a while to like I just lurched from one job to the next and nothing really work, was like working out and I never like quite fit and then I was like always really hard on myself like oh your friends have studied graphic design and they've got jobs and they're perfectly happy why can't you be happy um, I used to be really hard on myself and that uh, made it quite difficult to connect with my creativity because I had a lot to work work through um so yeah I've, I've gone to lots of counseling and lots of things and really recommend it if you're if you're struggling to always ask for help even if you've been let down just keep asking for help until you get it because it's so important and because I've worked through those things I was able to find my creativity again so it was like it was always there um but it was very much hidden for a while just because of different things that happened um and were there any um like as, as well as the very important act of going to counselling, um, yeah. were there like stories that helped you at that period of time, or were you reminded of any childhood stories that that helped you find your creativity or helped find that magic again? Uh, I can't really remember. All I can remember uh, is that I just the hope was still there. The hope that I would get back to creativity was still there, even though I had all this anxiety and like was being very hard on myself and. Um, because I studied graphic design it was like a long time until I'd started uh, a long time since I'd drawn so when I started just this voice would creep in and be like what's that that's rubbish why are you doing that um, and it's yeah just had to keep doing it to override it um, so yeah but I always had hope that things wouldn't be the way they were at that time when things were rubbish I always had hope that if I could get back to my creativity that things would fall into into place and they did so even when I was rubbish even when I was 
I mean, I wasn't rubbish. I was learning. Let's not be hard on myself. Let's be nice to myself. I was just relearning how to draw, relearning how to to write things and coming out of that dark, dark period. And um, yeah, I, f- I found my way back with help and I just kept practicing. And uh, once I got going again, then it was like, right, I'm never losing this again because this is so important, not only uh, for my own well-being because I love doing it and it makes it's I feel like most myself when I'm doing it. Um, it makes me happy of all these ideas that I want to get out. Um, but also it's like wonderful when somebody connects with one of your stories, when you do send it out into the world or connects with drawing and they re- read something or get something from it. Like that's really magical. Like a story takes on, once you let a book go out into the world, it's its own thing. It's got its own life and you don't know where it's going to go. And you don't know who it's going to shape, how yeah, it's going to shape them. Exactly. Exactly. And I got, I got a lovely message last Christmas, somebody who picked up a Dublin Christmas and they were like, to be honest, I just picked this up because it had nice pictures of Dublin, Dublin in it. But then she said, and she started reading it and was like really touched by the story and because she'd recently lost her grandmother and she loved that the, the heart of the story was the connection between um, the little girl and her, and her grandmother and um, missing her grandmother over, over Christmas. So that was like lovely lovely to get that and it just shows that uh children's books aren't just for children but for but for everyone absolutely yeah it's yeah. really inspirational to listen to because um <clears throat> i'm sure a lot of people will will be will be sort of relating to what you're saying about the feeling of being hard on yourself and the lack of confidence perhaps and the the darkness that you know maybe a lot of creative people a lot of people in general you know have to sort of battle with or, or go through certainly i completely deeply um relate to what you're saying um and i'm really it's it's giving me comfort I suppose um that uh ways out of these situations are always available and that as long as you try to keep the seed or try to keep the the flame of belief in your creativity and 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 how important it is and not to not to let not to let anything sort of douse that flame or not let, not let anything sort of um convince you that your your creativity is not important as long as you don't let that happen you know yeah. there's always there's always a path path back and the importance of like just keeping going like I love what you said about practicing and yeah. about it wasn't that you weren't good it was that you were learning so that like that mind frame of that we're constantly learning and that we're constantly practicing I think that's such a helpful message yeah and just like life's too short to be hard on yourself isn't it like I look back on that time and I just want to give that person a hug and say you know what you're grand you're doing your best the best that you can at the moment um and yeah just keep going and yes yeah, hope I think hope is really important um I do sub- subscribe to magical thinking I think because you just yeah you've got to hope that things are going to work out and, and and you need hope to write a story I think because I've had stories that haven't gone anywhere but I've really enjoyed the experience of working on the story and I've learned something each time that I've written something even if it's stuck in a drawer now it's not it's not a wasted thing it's just part of the part of the journey and I think hope is it's such a kernel of so many stories as well as stories carry that hope for the readers. And it's yeah. like it's often the character gets through whatever difficulties they have because they've held on to some kind of hope. Yeah, definitely. Those are the stories that, that I love, the ones where the character just never gives up. And those are the ones that I'm really drawn to as well. Like I've put, like I've got a lot of the obvious books that I read when I was a kid because those are the ones that are around but Roald Dahl um was my main author that I read because I mean I think we had one shelf we didn't have a library I think we had one shelf of books in our classroom and most of them are Roald Dahl so that's what was there um but the ones that really stand out for me were like the ones where there was like connection uh between the characters and hope and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was one that I returned to over and over again um, because of I love the special relationship between um, Charlie and his granddad and I love that they had community like they were in this tiny little house and they were in poverty but they had each other and that was really beautiful and when he went to the factory and met the other kids like they didn't have what Charlie and his granddad had they didn't have you know adults that were looking out for their best inference interests that you know they were all kind of spoiled and and struggling in their own way so yeah I think it has a really special message and I think that's why I returned to it as well as the chocolate and, and the magic <laughs> that's so true I've never thought about it like that but you're absolutely right that those other kids that 
what, what they were lacking was like meaningful connection yeah that's brilliant yeah um and I actually discovered I, I only discovered this five years ago because I don't know Irish families well my family just don't talk about certain things um but my grandmother who I didn't never got to meet um she died when my mum was a teenager uh, had a sweet shop uh, in the town square uh, the same square where the library is now um, that I mentioned earlier and she opened it in the late 1930s um, as a woman on her own which I just think is incredible um, she'd worked as a seamstress and um, saved up all her money um, her father built the cabinets for the shop and she managed to stock the shop and get it going on her own and since I've heard that story I just draw so much strength from it because she just like went for her dream and I just she just sounds like such a cool character she didn't get married until she was um 33 which is probably quite scandalous um according to my aunts and uncles that have asked for stories from them um yeah she was people in the town didn't like that this woman was up in a sweet shop on her own it's just not it's not the way things were done not right yeah <laughs> who does she think she is who does she um, think she is notions yeah yeah having notions exactly uh, and then she got married so then she got the husband as well so then they were annoyed at her um but yeah so she had this beautiful shop but they were all living in the back room of the shop so it was one room and um, she had five kids and was just like raising them in this tiny room they were all born in the same room as well um and yeah it's very much like Charlie in the chocolate factory, I think, but Charlie, Charlie's house inside the chocolate factory, I guess. Um, so it had like this fancy front with all the, the sweets and everything, but in the back, they were just kind of scrambling to, to keep things going. And kind of, since I've heard that story, I really draw strength from it because that's how I feel like as a creative person, like you know, you're doing your website and you're putting your books out and you're trying to send things out and you're trying to make things like all fancy and displayed like the shop. But in reality, sometimes you're in that back room and you don't know where your rent coming from or your mortgage or whatever, how you're going to pay your next bill or if things are going to work out. But you just you just kind of have to have hope and hope that by making things look good that people will come into the shop and buy your buy your stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I draw so much hope from her story. I love that for a woman of her time that she just went for her dreams and just raised kids and did it. I don't know how she, she sounds <laughs> amazing. amazing. Yeah. Raises, raises five kids and runs a business. That's amazing. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. It, it sounds like there was a really cool community on the square. Like my, my, her husband, my granddad worked in the malt house around the corner. And then there was like a pub and kids playing in, in the street and, um, two weird old ladies that lived opposite the shop that ran a B&B. Like, I just I can picture it so well. Um, and I've actually started writing the story about it this year because I just couldn't get it out of my head. So, yeah, the shop. You have to. Like, that is... Part of the, part that, of the is, that is a brilliant story right there in your family tree. Yeah. Story waiting to be told. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, such a gift when you hear stories like that in your family, like, I just hold on to them so dearly and I draw power from them because it's like without her I wouldn't be here and yeah it's nice to think that part of her in there somewhere so when I'm feeling not very resilient or down just think of her following her dream um and like it didn't completely work out like I'm not as you know um she did lose the shop eventually and they had to move into a council house and stuff but to me that's not the important part the important part is she went for it and so long that she did it that's yeah amazing gosh you've you've so many fantastic um influences in your family and so many fantastic heroes and heroines to to look up to that's that's incredible yeah if my if my parents would only tell me the stories <laughs> well to, like, I suppose. drag out of them <laughs> 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 I have to get all the gossip from my aunties and uncles I'm like what yeah the sweet shop how did I not hear about this <laughs> anyway well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you eventually got told yeah fi it's, finally it's heard about it <laughs> And it, it's now a bank, and I've been into that bank many times with my mom. And I'm like, "You lived here, and you, you didn't even tell me." Irish <laughs> families are weird. They're so weird, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, and then I guess what other books I, I was really into magazines. There was like a dinosaurs magazine that I um used to get every week, 
and I think he got a different part of a T-Rex skeleton. I think I remember <laughs> those. I think, my, I think my brother had one. He still has the dinosaur, <laughs> yeah. the, the model that you get, that you, you made. Eventually, you could slot them all together, wasn't it? And you had the full, yeah. full skeleton then at the end, yeah. Yeah, so I managed to collect all of those, made the T-Rex skeleton, and it like glowed in the dark. That was really satisfying. It glowed in um, the dark. That's yeah. the one my brother had. Yeah. <laughs> Still in the bathroom at home in Wexford. Oh, wow. I have no Frightened idea what I was in the middle of the dark. In, in the dark. <laughs> um, well looked after, so. Um, and then there was an, another nerdy one, uh, I think it's called like Treasures of the Earth, where you get like a little tip of stone. <laughs> you get a little tip of a stone each week and you put it into a little box. And oh, amazing. And these little boxes of like pyrite. And, um, oh, that sounds brilliant different things so yeah really loved nerdy stuff like that <laughs> sounds great I would have been all over that <laughs> yeah um, yeah and then I guess like kind of 11 to 13 like stuff that I read was just your basic stuff like, like Tolkien like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit um, and I think some people have mentioned there was no young adults um, I don't remember yeah I don't remember them being any being any young adults but um, I yeah I think there was like Sweet Valley High and then they changed to Sweet Valley University and I kind of, I kind of just read those because my friends were reading them but I didn't really like them they were just yeah quite, quite silly and there's the same story over and over again about boy trouble and blah blah they're fine um and I remember going straight from those to like Stephen King and like Anne Rice and just like re- really scary stuff and like I wonder if I kind of went to the scary stuff because I was like, oh, I'm an adult now. I can read, or I'm, I'm almost a grown up. I can read this scary stuff. I can handle it, like almost like a. Well, I mean, you had banshees and ghosts in your childhood, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, what's the little Stephen King? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually have a little, can oh, I don't know what the right word is connection to Stephen King, I guess, um, because my best friend, Jenny, growing up, um, her mom went to university with a lady who later ended up living in Maine, close to Stephen King. And they're good friends. And Stephen King used to drop over manuscripts and things that he was working on. And then they would make their way back to Tullamore. <laughs> and <laughs> myself and my friend would, would pour over them. Probably not supposed to have them, but you know, it was it was really, it was really cool to have have that connection and to think that he was just like a normal person that like my friend's mom could know and you know that I think that was a big thing because there was obviously a, I didn't know any writers or illustrators growing up I didn't even know illustration could be a job that you could do until I was in my mid-20s and discovered a a, a course um but yeah just to just to know that he was just like a normal guy writing books that just happened to be famous I think that had a, had a big influence and it was just really yeah, just really magical to have a peek inside and to hear little second-hand stories about him. Yeah, that's amazing. amazing. I love that. <laughs> you got to read Stephen <laughs> King's proofs. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Don't he tell anyone. To, he has to work through all the Well, things. I'm afraid, Nicola, it's going to be broadcast <laughs> to general yeah. public. Stephen King, if you're listening. <laughs> if you're listening, Stephen, like and subscribe. Yes. To all yeah, exactly. We'd love to talk to <laughs> you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and our email address is open. You can come and talk to us whenever you want. <laughs> um, well, that's brilliant. Oh, it could goodness, be your next yeah. guest now. Might have, mm, might have said that. Love it. <laughs> love it. He's been a major influence on me, so I'd love to talk to him as well. But that's incredible. Um, I never had heard of any authors or illustrators either. Like, but I mean, I didn't have any personal connections to anyone like Stephen King. Yeah, well, I did. I didn't really, but I held on no, to that yeah, well, little you pretend. Pretend she did. Connection. It's amazing that you didn't realize that illustration was a. Thing you could do you know as a career you know until, until you were until you were already established like you, yeah you'd already be started to establish a career for yourself so uh, mm. I'm really glad you, yeah. you came to that to that realization you know I think I was aware had you ever seen Sullivan Luke's you know the the, the movies they made in Ireland <gasps> in the yeah. 80s you know and then mm. the studio had to close but I was always aware I don't know where I learned first or where how I found out that that, that was made these were made in Ireland these these beautiful animated movies that I loved so much had been made in my own country so I, yeah. I guess I, I always had that appreciation for wow people do this as a job and um you know it's yeah it's I remember that had a huge on impact on me as well yeah but yeah like, I really did I found that they so were inspirational these, and because they seemed like you know Disney movies or they seemed like this this international thing but then learning that they were being made in Ireland was yeah that mm-hmm. was very impactful 
Oh, also, it's good heavens. That one is. That's ish. That's yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, that was the, the dinosaur. Um, what American was the dinosaur tale one? And um, the lamp before time. The, the lamp before time. time. <gasps> yeah. They're all yeah. still stone cold classics. I absolutely have. Yeah. I watched. I watched them all recently. You know, when you have a small kid, you go through a phase of showing all the videos and you know, or the videos showing my age, all the movies <laughs> you used to love when you were <laughs> when you were a kid yourself. And we watched uh, The Lamp Before Time recently and it was just still as amazing as it ever was. Uh, I haven't seen um, All Dogs Go to Heaven for a long time, but um, uh, we, did, we did watch An American Tale as well. But they're just fabulous, fabulous films. And to consider that they were made in Ireland by Irish artists, you know, it's, and, uh, and it's amazing. <laughs> definitely, definitely inspired me anyway. Yeah, I watched All Dogs Go to Heaven over and over again and would cry every single time. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> It was my birthday choice when when you, I can't remember what age I was, but um, I had the choice of going to All Dogs Go to Heaven or something in Co Oliver and Co, and I chose All Dogs Go to Heaven, and I remember sitting through that, especially because yeah, it is quite sad, and I'd like forced friends of mine to come and watch it with me, and I remember feeling so guilty that I had chosen a sad movie and that everyone was getting upset. I'm sure they all look back on it with wonderful uh, joy and nostalgia. <laughs> it's yeah, lovely, it's a lovely it's film. a great film. As yeah. well as being sad, it's a, it's a lovely movie. Um, one of the first pieces of art I ever got framed at home was I, I, I did, I copied the image from the poster for that movie, like the, the girl with all the dogs around her and the, the halo and whatever. And I, I just, Oh, I, I definitely so, do that as well. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember, you know, that was one of the images I used to love to draw. And one of them, one of them was good enough to get in a frame on the wall at home. So Yay. that's a point of pride for me. <laughs> We're coming up to time, aren't we? Yeah. So, what shall we do, Captain Cal? <laughs> <laughs> well, are there any other books that you want to mention before we ask our final question? Um. Yeah, I guess I guess one that I want to mention is this weird series that my dad had in the house, um, called Out of This World, uh, the Illustrated Library of the Bizarre and the Extraordinary. It's twenty six volumes and it's published in the seventies. And for some reason, my dad. Even though he's not, he's not interested in paranormal weird stuff, but he bought this with my uncle who lived down the road. So he, my uncle had 12 volumes and we had 12. And there were these really scary books and they were just on the bottom shelf, like really accessible. Um, and look look them up. They're I think quite I, weird. my um, neighbour had them. I remember looking at them as a child. Really? Yeah, yeah, I remember there was something about zombies. And um, yeah, I, I remember being terrified but fascinated by them. Yeah, yeah, we had a yeah, exactly. similar thing. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have twenty-four volumes. We had we had like one big massive book of weird facts and and you know really strange stories about you know the abominable snowman and spontaneous combustion and all this horror <laughs> that used to sort of you know that gave gave the eighties so much flavor. You know when you were, yeah. when you were young, <laughs> when you were a young yeah. curious reader. <laughs> yeah, these books had pictures of people that had spontaneously combusted, and it stayed with me for years and years and. Yeah, my, myself and my cousin used to pour over them in horror, but like loving every second. And yeah, it was only until I reached like 22, I realized I'm probably not going to spontaneously combust. Maybe I'm all right. But it was like a very real fear at the time. Um, it really is. But yeah, the covers are terrifying. This one of a guy that looks like a Babadook, like well before the Babadook. So yeah, I'd like when I go home at Christmas, I'm definitely going to read them out and have a look through you get inspired again yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that um so and i'd like to um, now we are coming up to, to time on the episode but i'd like to ask the cheeky question that we always like to ask guests um and that is what's next from you in terms of upcoming project in terms of upcoming projects sorry um that you can speak about if you if you can and if uh, if you can't can you give us any hints of anything that you might be working on or anything that you might have forthcoming yeah. yeah um so i've got a new book series coming out in 2024 which feels like a long time away but actually it's good because i've got time to work on it um but yeah similar age group for as jasper and scruff uh it's kind of five to eight um don't want to say too much um but it's about a bear who's decided to live on her own because she's been severely let down by someone so she's secreted herself in a rainforest and has a workshop and she's an inventor um and when I was drawing her I got some really good advice from the art director like advice that I think of every time I'm drawing a character now 
which is draw who you want them to be, not what you want them to be. Um, so I was drawing her as a bear. And I think I was just worrying too much about the bareness and not thinking about her personality. So thinking about who I wanted her to be really helped her to jump off the page and be like, oh, there you are, I'm looking for you. Um, because she just wasn't like coming across. And yeah, one technique that I've been using now is that I kind of look at characters that I really enjoy. I love Melissa McCarthy in just everything that she does. I think she's oh, hilarious. Love her. And so herself and so smart. So I've based the bear on her and my best friend and um, from home, Jenny, who's got very cool glasses and is the smartest person I know. So she's a combination of those. And once I started thinking of them, yeah, she she came off the page. So yeah, working on that at the moment and I'm yeah, very excited. <laughs> that sounds brilliant yeah. the bear that's an adventure i absolutely love that and based on melissa mccarthy who's just the the business i love her that's incredible. and i think i think you also wanted to mention um some of the books that you're the people that you share a co-working space with or a studio oh, with yeah yeah so i'm very lucky i'm in this studio with 17 other illustrators um and they've uh, some of them are children's book illustrators as well they have fab books um so at the moment i'm in freya hartis's kitchen <laughs> and she's a wonderful illustrator <laughs> thank you Freya, for the kitchen and the wi-fi um but she has a wonderful series with uh, joseph quello called fairy tales gone bad the first in the book is zombierella very appropriate for this time of year and they're just really funny really dark really witty um and yeah buy them and she's got a lovely series called slow down um with lots of beautiful intricate drawings of nature and, and things like that that's out with magic cat um, and I also share a studio space with Jade Perkin, who's a beautiful um, picture book called Mum's Jumper, about a subject that you don't see very often, um, deals with the subject of grief, and the illustrations are gorgeous, really stunning, and yeah, she uses the analogy of the jumper about how you can grow into grief, and, and yeah, it's, it's a book that's, that's really, really needed, I think. Uh, Paula Bowles has a wonderful book called Tiny Crab is a Tidy Crab, uh, it's got a really cute little uh, crab character and it's got a wonderful environmental message, which is something that's very much needed these days. And it's a really fun, engaging story as well. Brilliant. That's fantastic. They sound great. Um, I really love um, Freya and Joseph Trello's books. They, they look so funny, the Zambirella and uh, uh, I can't think what the other one is, but they, they all have great names, real, real punning, punning titles and, and really clever. So yeah. I love those. But the, the other yeah, ones are creeping are beauty, creeping beauty. <laughs> fantastic. Title. Yeah, um, the other the other ones are new to me, so I'll, I'll look them all up. If you go on Joseph Joseph's page, there's lots of videos of him reading them as well. There's one he's a great performer. Great I've, seen performer. Him, I've seen him speak yeah. live. He's fantastic. Yeah, really great, fantastic laureate at the moment as well in the UK. He's fantastic. Um, yeah. and of course we'll have we will have uh, links in our show notes to our uh, UK bookshop, uh, the sorry the bookshop.org.uk page that we have for the podcast. And also our Irish bookshop partner, um, Hoppy Up the Stairs. So hopefully they will be able to supply all those books to you if you are looking for any of the books that Nicola has mentioned, um, particularly these ones from Freya Hartis and Jay Perkin and Paula Bowles and Joseph Cello, um, and of course her own books, <laughs> which are fabulous. Um, <laughs> but I think we'll probably wrap it up for today. Um, unfortunately, I, I hate saying goodbye because uh, I know, I we, we always forever. have so much fun. It's uh, This has been such a magical conversation um, all about you know, not only stories on pages, but stories in the air around you and stories, stories that you live in and live through um, and how, how, shape, how shaping they can be to a person, um, both in terms of keeping, helping you keep the faith when, when things are hard and helping you find and cultivate your own sort of your own flame of, of creativity when things are trying to drown it out. Um, that's so important. And so I hope anybody listening to the podcast might take away that message, you know, how important it is to, to really nurture what makes you a creative soul um, and never let anyone put that flame out um and uh, and the magic of the stories of your family nicola they are just incredible i can't wait to read the story of your 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 granny's sweet shop that sounds incredible um and uh, and and the sweet tree which i think we all need to go and plant some sweets and see can we grow a few sweet trees that sounds <laughs> like a thing to do um but it's been a joy to talk to you thanks so much for coming uh, to speak to susan and me today on the podcast it's been a, it's been a pleasure thank you it really has thank you so thank much you so nicola much. Thank you. Thanks a million. So until until next time, story shaped Pocorinos, we shall see you. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in and for being with us. 
Um, and as I always say at the end of the episodes, if you've liked this episode, please do um, like and review it uh, if you can or rate it and review it on your story on your sorry, on your podcast streamer of choice. Um, and do try and recommend us to any friends you might have who might enjoy um, our weekly discussions about books and stories and how vital and important they are to shaping the world into something that's better than we had before. Um, I think this is a, a really important message that we, we are helping to push out that stories are so important um, and that creativity is important and that everyone's story is worth listening to. Um, that's, that's what we're all about here on the pod. So until next week, we shall bid you farewell. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from our lovely guest. Bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. You've been listening to Story Shaped with Susan Cahill and Sinead O'Hart. Follow us on Twitter at Story Shaped Pod. And don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Betts. Thank you.